Well, I don't have to tell you um, that the year 2020 has been a little different. I know we've talked about that before. If a year ago, right now, I would have stood up and predicted the things that were going to happen this year, I would have been probably laughed out of the church, and today I would be considered a prophet, because who would have guessed the strange things that could have happened this year? And I was thinking about this, where is my and where is your security placed this morning? If it is placed in uh, your surroundings, even in the government, especially that, you may have been shaken a little bit with just all the turmoil and the things that are going on. Uh, If your security is in there being no riots in the country you live in, or if your security is in uh, good health and no fear of getting ill, or maybe your security is in your finances, and if depending on what business you own, that may have been shaken this year with everything that's going on. If that's where your security is at, if that's where my security lies, where... What am I doing right now? What am I thinking? The Prudential Insurance Company uh, advertises that you can own a piece of the rock. Own a piece of the rock. Well, maybe that's where your security lies, in an insurance company or an insurance plan or uh, owning annuities with some insurance company or maybe having the right investments or something. And so that's what they tell you. You can own a piece of the rock. Well, this morning, I want to tell you, you cannot only own a piece of the rock. Maybe that's the wrong way to say it. But you can be solidly and firmly fixed on the rock. Someday, the Prudential Insurance Company will be gone. I can guarantee you that. It may be. When the Lord comes back, the rapture will be gone, I don't know. But I, I don't know of any company that has lasted for, say, a thousand years. Very few last for a hundred years. Some last for close to that, some a little longer. But at some point, that rock will be gone. But the rock of Jesus Christ will be the rock forever and ever and ever. And we can be on that solid rock. I thought about bringing some examples of rocks here today to kind of demonstrate this. And I thought, well, I don't have an excavator big enough to bring a rock in here that I think could even start to represent the rock that we think about with God. I thought about bringing some little pebbles and maybe a bigger rock, something that I could have still hoisted in here and and said, you know, this is what we often put our security in, and here is God, but that is even small. Sometimes you go past people's homes, and uh, especially excavators or something, you know, they're digging somewhere, and they run into this huge rock. So they manage somehow to, to haul that thing home and put it in their yard, and it's pretty impressive. And even that pales in comparison to the God that we serve. I'm not sure where you would suggest turning to this morning to talk about the rock, but I want to turn to Deuteronomy. Now, we're going to look at some verses in Psalms. We're going to go to the New Testament, but we're going to start out in Deuteronomy. 
Deuteronomy chapter 29 to start with, and we're not going to spend a lot of time in a couple of these chapters. We'll spend a little bit more time as we go along in, in, a, in further chapters. But Moses, uh, to set the setting here, Moses is getting ready to pass off the scene, and he knows it. His time is, is about up. He has spent over 40 years, if you take the time that he would have been in Egypt when he was younger, but, to, but 40 years just in the wilderness trying to lead these people. That's a long time. That's a lot longer than what I've been in, in the ministry here at, at Salem. It, it's a long time Moses was with these people. And he had put up with a lot, frankly. Had put up with a lot, probably more than what I would have, frankly. And almost, in a sense, even God was ready to give up on him a couple times, and Moses says, whoa, 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 wait, wait, don't do that. But Moses had put up a lot. He had spent 40 years with these people, and he's getting ready to pass off the scene. He's going to, he's going to die soon, and he knows that, and he wants to give them some instructions. And if you look at chapter 29, and I think I'll read verses 1 through 8. He says, These are the words of the covenant which the Lord commanded Moses to make with the children of Israel in the land of Moab, beside the covenant which he made with them in Horeb. And Moses called unto all Israel and said unto them, Ye have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt unto Pharaoh, and unto all his servants, and unto all his land. The great temptations which time Eyes have seen the signs, the great miracles. Yet the Lord hath not given you a heart to perceive, and eyes to see, and ears to hear unto this day. And I have led you forty years in the wilderness. Your clothes are not waxen old upon you. Thy shoe is not waxen old upon thy foot. Ye have not eaten bread, neither have you drunk wine or strong drink, that ye might know that I am the Lord your God. And when you came unto this place... Sion, the king of Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, came out against us unto battle, and we smote them. And we took their land and gave it for an inheritance unto the Reubenites and the Gadites and to the half-tribe of Manasseh. I'm going to stop reading there. Moses is pointing out to the people, and by the way, I might just say, if you're watching this morning on the live stream or listening on the phone, I've seen the lights flicker slightly a couple of times, and it's very windy. So if all of a sudden everything is gone, well, you still have the rock that you can be on even if you don't have the live stream this morning. Um, so Moses is, is telling them, and he's reminding them, look at all the things God has done for you. Look at this, look at that, look at this. All these things that I have done for you, and yet you, you just don't seem to hear it. You don't seem to see it. There's something that's not quite there. And then in verse 9 he says, Keep therefore the words of this covenant and do them, that ye may prosper in all that you do. He reminds them, keep the words of this covenant. Keep it. Don't let it go. I'm going to jump down to verse 14. Neither with you only do I make this covenant and this oath, but with him that standeth here with us this day before the Lord our God, and also with him that is not here with us this day. For ye know how we have dealt 
dwelt in the land of Egypt, and how we came through the nations which uh, ye passed by. And ye have seen their abominations and their idols, wood and stone, silver and gold, which were among them. Now note that and keep that kind of in the back of your mind. He says, we've went through these other nations, and you've seen their gods. Okay, just kind of keep that in your mind. Lest there should be any should be among you man or woman or family or tribe whose heart turneth away this day from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of these nations, lest there should be among you a root that beareth gall and wormwood. And it come to pass when he heareth the words of this curse that he bless himself in his heart, saying, I shall have peace, though I walk in the imagination of mine heart, to add drunkenness to thirst. The Lord will not spare him. But then the anger of the Lord and his jealousy shall smoke against that man, and all the curses that are written in this book shall lie upon him, and the Lord shall blot out his name from under heaven. And the Lord shall separate him unto evil out of all the tribes of Israel, according to all the curses of the covenant that are written in this book of the law, so that the generation to come of your children... Notice this, the children coming up that shall rise up after you and the stranger that shall come from a far land shall say when they see the plagues of the land, of that land that the sickness which the Lord hath laid upon it and that the whole land thereof is brimstone and salt and burning that is not sown nor beareth nor any grass groweth therein like the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah, Adma and Zeboam which the Lord overthrew in his anger and in his wrath, even all nations shall say, Wherefore hath the Lord done this thus unto this land? What meaneth the heat of his, this anger, this great anger? Then men shall say, Because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord God their fathers, which he made with them when he brought them forth out of the land of Egypt. For they went and served other gods and worshipped them, gods whom they knew not, and whom had not given unto them. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against this land to bring upon it all the curses that are written in this book. And the Lord rooted them out of their land in anger and in wrath and in great indignation and cast them into another land as it is this day. The secret things belong unto our, the Lord our God. And I believe there are secret things right now that are happening in the world that we know nothing about. Not really any of our business, for that matter. But those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law, or the words that God has given us today in His new covenant. There are things we don't understand, but the things that God has given us in His word, those we understand, those belong to us and to our children. And we dare never forget them. Now he says in first verse of chapter 30, shall come to pass when all these things come upon thee, the blessing and the curse. And we'll see that blessing and curse a little later in a chapter. So you read chapter 30, and there he tells you basically that if you are scattered, if you serve other gods and you're scattered, and when you get to those other lands, if you repent and you turn back to me, I will have mercy and I will gather you back. I'm not going to leave you scattered if you recognize where your strength is. But God is saying to them that if you at some point 
turn and start worshiping and trusting in other gods, I will be angry. Now, I ask this question. If our security lies anywhere other than God, what does that security become to us? Isn't it an idol? Isn't that become our God? Why do these other nations have these idols? Why does any, why do any of these nations or any group of people, why do they have these idols? Because they trusted in them. That was their security. They put their trust in those things made out of wood and gold and, and stone or whatever. That was their security. And God said, no, I will give my glory to none other. You must trust in me. You can't put your faith in something else, some other idol. Later in chapter 30, he says in verse 15, See, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil. Down in 19, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. And we move into verse 31. And in verse 6 it says, Be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doeth, that doeth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. And in verse 7, Moses called unto Joshua and said unto him in the sight of all of Israel, Be strong and of good courage. He mentions, them, he mentions that over in verse 23 he says, um, be strong and of good courage, for thou shalt bring the children of Israel into this land. Now, in verse 19 of chapter 31, um, Moses is given some instructions. He says, Now therefore write ye this song for you, and teach it to the children of Israel, put it in their mouths, that this song Now notice, it's kind of interesting how it says it. May be a witness for me against the children of Israel. A witness against them? Moses is instructed to teach these people a song. I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes out of nowhere, you've got this song in your head. Sometimes you can't get it out. It's kind of frustrating if it's something you don't want there. But you hear this song, it's like, where did that come from? And we sing these songs. There's something about a song. And I realize there are songs in were a little bit different than ours, but there's something about a song or uh, poetic work that sometimes get in our minds and, and it sticks. And if you go over to, chapter, to verse 30 of chapter 31, it says, And Moses spake in the ears of all the congregation of Israel the words of this song, until they were ended. So he's teaching them this song. The reason he wants them to have this in their hearts is because they can remember this and pass it to their children and their children's children. They have this song so that if they go after other gods, it says, I have a witness against them. They know what they're doing. They know it. Because those people that were coming on weren't the ones that were back in Egypt. Those children that were going to be born soon after this, they didn't experience the wilderness journey. You get very much further down in 
they aren't going to have experienced the, the fightings and the, the overthrows of the nations that were in the land. But they needed something to remind them that the God that you want to put your trust in is this God and not the gods that you're going to see around you. And then he tells them, if you do start to worship those other gods, what's going to happen? So I want to go through this song a little bit. <clears throat> Starting at verse 1, he says, and this is chapter 32. Give ear, O you heavens, and I will speak. And hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. My doctrine, or my teaching, shall drop as the rain. My speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass. Because, notice, I will publish or proclaim the name of the Lord. Ascribe ye greatness unto our God. How can we ascribe greatness unto our God? One of the ways is is we put our trust and our faith in Him and not in the things around us. Ascribe unto God greatness. Notice verse 4. He is the rock. Now, I want to read this without... In in verse 4, He is is italicized there, which means in the original... It's not there. It's simply in our English to help us understand. So let's read verses. I'm going to read verse 3 and then go into verse 4 without that. He says, Ascribe ye greatness unto our God, the rock. His, now, and notice why. If you're questioning right now, what is God up to? And I think we can all ask kind of those questions in our minds. We wonder. I want you to notice verse 4. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity. Just and right is he. Now that's God. Now notice we shift to mankind in verse 5. They have corrupted themselves. Their spot is not the spot of his children. They are a perverse and crooked generation. Do you thus requite the Lord, O foolish people and unwise? Now, that word requite there basically means this. Is this the way that you repay or pay back to the Lord for all he's done for you? So I ask us this question this morning. If we are anxious about what's going on in the world, if we're wanting to put our security in, in our government or in our health or in our finances or whatever it is, instead of putting it in God, is that really the way God wants to be paid back? He blesses us with all these things, and then we say, well, okay, that's, that's nice, but then I'm going to put my trust in one of the things you've blessed me with rather than in the one who gave the blessing. He says, is that the way you requite the Lord? Is that the way you pay him back? He says, O foolish people and unwise, is not thy father, is not he thy father that hath bought thee? Hath hath he not made thee and established thee? Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father and he will show thee Thy elders, and they will tell thee, 
When the Most High divided the nations, their inheritance, and when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel, for the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. Notice now he he talks about what he did with Israel. He found him in a desert place and in the waste howling wilderness. He led him about and he instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. He made him ride on the high places of the earth, that he might eat the increase of the fields. And he made him to suck honey out of the rock, and oil out of the flinty rock, butter of kine, and milk of sheep, with fat of lambs, and rams of the breed of Bashan, and goats with the fat of kidneys of wheat. And thou didst drink the pure blood of the grape. He talks about all those blessings. And then he said, But Jeshuron, or Yashuron, and you say, well, who is that? That's another name that he's using for Israel. It actually means upright one. He's almost using it in somewhat of a sarcastic way. The root comes from the same word, he would be using for Israel, and, and he uses it here for Israel, and it means like this upright one. But then look what he says about this upright one. It's almost as though he's kind of playing with the words here. But Jeshurun waxed fat and kicked. Thou art waxen fat, thou art grown thick, thou art covered with fatness. Then he forsook God which made him. And lightly esteem the rock of his salvation. Stop there. Lightly esteemed. In other words, the rock of his salvation. We're talking this morning about our rock of salvation, God. Do we lightly esteem him? Do we just kind of like, well, yeah, he's God, but he can't help me out in this. Or is he strong enough to take care of this? He lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. They provoked him to jealousy with strange gods. With abominations provoked he, they him to anger. They sacrificed unto devils, not to God, to gods whom they knew not, to new gods that came newly up, whom your fathers feared not. Of the rock that begat thee, thou art unmindful. And has forgotten God that formed thee. We could read on down through this. There's, uh, there's curses involved here. There's things that happen because of this. Let's go down to verse 30. How should one chase a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight except their rock had sold them and the Lord had shut them up? For their rock is not our rock. Notice that, for their rock, small r, is not as our rock, capital R. In other words, their gods, the ones that are chasing after these other means of security and strength, their rock is not as our rock, even our enemies themselves being judges. Over in verse 37 it says, And he shall say, Where are their gods their rock in whom they trusted. 
Where is our security this morning? God gave this song to Moses to give to his people to say, look, when everything's going so well, when things, when you, when it's all going well, and you've gotten fat on the land, and you've got, and you're all of this, then you turn to these other gods or these other rock, your rock, and it's not our rock. Then, then God will be jealous and God will be angry. Verse 44 says, And Moses came and spake all the words of this songs in the ears of the people, he and Joshua the son of Nun. So they had this song, and we can follow the history of Israel. They came and they went, and they came and they went, and they came and they went. Where are we? You know, when it says here these new gods, I thought about the fact that, you know, one of the things that we talk about right now, one of the things that I think, and I'm not saying we shouldn't be concerned about it, but as we see the turmoil in our, in our nation, and maybe and even around the world in a lot of areas, we, we wonder what's going to happen, what's going to happen. But you know something? If you look at Christians throughout history, from the time of Christ uh, till now, there have been very, very, very few times and even smaller numbers of Christians that have had the so-called security of being able to worship freely and all of these things in their countries that we have had for a relatively short period of time in this country. Have we begun to put our security in that? Well, we've got a government that's going to protect us. We've got laws. We've got a constitution. We've got rights. And I'm not saying anything against those things. We've been blessed. But have we put our security in the blessing rather than in the one who has blessed us with those things? And at some point, is God saying, you know what? If that's where your security's at, then we've got a problem. I need to bring you back to where you'll see what your true security is. Folks, we've got a rock that's greater than anything on this planet. Turn to Psalms. And I want to turn to a couple of psalms here. Then I want to jump to the New Testament for a few verses. Psalm um, 18 we'll start with. I'm going to read verses 1 through 6, and then I'll jump a little further into the chapter. Psalm 18. It says, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress. Think about these words as I read through them. Okay, I'm not going to stop and explain everyone. You know what they mean. Let's just, as I read through them, think about them. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust. My buckler and the horn of my salvation, or the strength of my salvation, and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about. 
The snares of death prevented me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. I cried unto my God, and he heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him, even into his ears. Turn with me over to verse 45. The strangers shall fade away and be out of their close places. The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. Turn to Psalm 62. Psalm 62, I'm going to read verses 1 and, uh, 1 and 2, and then verses 5 through 8. Truly my soul waiteth upon my God. From him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. Verse 5, my soul wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. I ask you a question. There are some men that are mentioned in the Bible. I've thought of several of them in particular, Daniel being one, Joseph being one, the imprisoned Paul being one later in his life when he was in prison. And I want to ask you a question, what changed in those men's lives throughout their lifetime? In other words, Joseph was a young man, free and so forth with his family and, and suddenly he found himself in Egypt in prison in all kinds of situations. Of course then later his life blossomed in a different way but there was a period of time where it wasn't so great. Daniel found himself a young man and had some terrible things happen to him and was taken to another land and told to worship other gods basically and at one point he ends up in a lion's den Paul going about preaching the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and then he ends up in prison and eventually lost his head, literally, over preaching the gospel. The only thing that changed in those men's lives was their location and their circumstances. Their rock didn't change. Never changed. Their location did. Their circumstances changed. But what they stood on didn't change. It never did. I don't believe John the Baptist changed what he stood on from the time he was out preaching and, re- and baptizing till the time he was in prison. And you could go through a number of people in the Bible. You could also go through some who, when their circumstances and their location changed, suddenly their foundation wasn't what you thought it was in the Bible either. We could look at men like that as well. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 21 as we carry this theme of the rock on over into the New Testament. I'm going to read just verses 42 to 44. 
Jesus saith unto them, Did you never read in the Scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? The same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore say I unto you, The kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. Whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. This morning we can fall upon that stone, Jesus Christ, that rock. We fall upon him realizing that he is our only hope and our only salvation, our only rock that we can put our security in. Now that doesn't mean (coughs) that there aren't, (coughs) excuse me, other things that make us feel secure. A child needs a security, if you will, of a, of a godly home or a, a home that is, that is functioning well. A child needs that security. It's nice to know that there's money in the bank to pay the bills that are there. There's nothing necessarily wrong with that. It's nice to, to feel good and have good health. Nothing wrong with that. It's very encouraging to have a church that we feel a certain sense of security in being a part of because we know that we have brothers and sisters that uh, maybe don't always think about everything exactly like we do, but we have the same goals. We have the same uh, love for the Lord, and, and we, we think a lot alike. And so there's some security in that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if we pull our security from God and place it in those things... When those things begin to crumble, whether it's even our church or finances or family or whatever, then everything else is going to crumble as well. But if, our, if, our, if we're standing on the rock, and that's where our security is, then when these other things that we place some earthly securities in maybe aren't so secure, we're still on the rock. Does that make sense? Because there are things that, especially for a child, they, they need security and you know, you take an abused child and say, well, your rock is Jesus Christ. And, well, it is, but maybe for a two-year-old, that's going to be a little hard to understand. And so there are things here that we, that we look to for some strength and, and some hope, but that cannot be our main security. It still must come back to Jesus Christ. And we fall upon that stone in humility, saying, I cannot put my security in myself, my surroundings, I put my security on you. And if we don't, it says that that stone will fall on someone and grind them to powder. The wrath of God someday will be placed upon those who do not put their security in Jesus Christ. Turn with me to 1 Peter. First Peter chapter 2. I'm going to start reading at verse 4. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, Precious, 
And he that believeth on him shall not be confounded or ashamed. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. Jesus said, after he was doing some teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, he said, therefore, he said, he, he likened those that heard his word and did what he said. He said, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon the rock. And he says, and the rains came, and the floods came, and the wind beat upon that house, but it stood firm because it was built on the rock. He said, all those who hear my words and do them not, he says, I'll liken him under a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. He said, and the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds beat upon that house, and the house fell because it was built upon a sand. And he said, great was the fall of it. So this morning we have an opportunity. We can build our life upon the words of Jesus Christ and on the scriptures and upon the rock of Jesus Christ, or we can build it on something else And anything else is sand. And when the rains descend and the floods come and the winds blow, those things will fail. But the rock will never fail. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for being the rock of our salvation. Thank you for being everything to us, our strength, our hope. And Lord, as we see a world of just seemingly spinning out of control in our eyes, Lord, we know that you are in control and you um, are the one, Lord, who knows everything. And so, God, we want to place our trust in you. Help me, Lord, to always put my faith and trust solely in you. And then, Lord, help us to remember when the rains and the winds and the floods come, that we will not be moved if we are on the rock. Help us, Lord, to do that. And Lord, again, I thank you for being that rock. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.